When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Farrell, how's your fantasy football going this year? Yeah, not too bad. I'm fifth in the league. Wow! How much money did you make out of that then? Well, nothing. Well, that's where you're going wrong, Farrell. At DraftKings, you can put your fantasy football knowledge to the test and win bare cash every week. <laughs> really? <laughs> Please tell me more. Well, look, thanks to Fulhamish, you can have a go at winning up to 150 quid without spending a penny. Just go to draftkings.co.uk forward slash Fulham and enter this Saturday's Premier League contest for free. Sounds amazing. What was that dress again? draftkings.co.uk forward slash Fulham. Sounds amazing. What's that address again? <laughs> it's draftkings.co.uk forward slash Fulham. Can you spell that out, Sammy? T R A F T K I N G S dot C O dot U K forward slash. You know how to spell Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is the weekly show all about the trials and tribulations of Fulham Football Club. This week, I'm joined by Farrell, Ben and Jack. Thank you for joining me this evening, gents. Thank you for having us. Uh, Interesting fact to start off, when Republican presidents took office uh, from Democrats the last two times, uh, Fulham went on to get promotion and reach the playoffs. So let's hope that in light of Donald Trump taking office at the White House, that Fulham may go on to do something similar this season. I think that's the first positive omen of a Donald Trump presidency (laughs) that's been mentioned thus far. Uh, We've got plenty to get through in today's podcast. Looking at Saturday's draw with Sheffield Wednesday's great Scott saved Fulham in the 91st minute and we'll also be rounding off our forgotten Fulham segment. Well, let's get started with the match action uh, from Saturday. Difficult game, but we managed to come through it with a point. Uh, Slavisa said after the game, if we'd have played this uh, last year, we would have lost 3-0. Do one of you want to start off by saying if you agree with that or not? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. It seems to be now that we've, over the past few years, we've been uh, having that problem where we'd sort of win a game 2-0 and the next game we'd lose 5-0. We kind of got out of that habit of conceding lots and lots of goals and the uh, Craven Cottage being the place to see goals regardless of which team it's for. Um, But certainly we rode our luck for large portions of the game on Saturday. Mm. Um, They had a host of chances to start off with. They should have been outside by 60, 70 minutes. Yeah, there were some heart-stopping moments is, is what I've got down here. But I thought we looked harder to beat. And, you know, when teams don't put those chances away in the past, we've managed to still capitulate. And the fact that we didn't and we then went on to dominate the last sort of exchanges, I think that that's got to be a positive and something that we need to sort of look at and be like, good. And, yeah, it was hairy at times, especially towards the end of that first half. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a positive that we can come through and we're often on the end the other team on the end of losing those games we dominate for so long and um, it's nice to see the reverse coming through a little bit and us you know riding our luck and coming through with something and you know maybe should have won it and only four teams ben have lost fewer games than us this season newcastle and brighton are probably the two that wouldn't surprise you actually birmingham and villa 
uh, the other teams that, that have lost fewer games than us. There's certainly a resilience to us this season. And also, um, it's very positive now. Five te- games this season have seen Fulham score after the 90th minute. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, like you say, the resilience is definitely there. Uh, we look more compact and uh, as a team and our system looks like it's been embedded for a long time. looks like we're now fully integrated in what Slavisa wants us to do. Um, and I think the thing that you obviously pointed out there is that scoring in the 91st minute means that we're obviously a fitter team than we ever were now. And I think last season, the season before that, we tended to concede a lot of late goals, whereas this season it's quite the opposite. We're scoring later goals, which obviously Slavisa and the team have addressed or his very deep um, and wide medical and fitness team has addressed the issues we had there and they don't seem to be there anymore. In fact, it's much more of a positive. At Sheffield Wednesday um, last season were not a team that Fulham enjoyed facing. We lost three times to them, twice in the league, once in the cup, all by one goal. And actually, I specifically remember uh, the game at Craven Cottage uh, in the league being very similar to Saturday's yeah. game. Ross Wallace scored an absolute blinder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another good Sheffield Wednesday goal this Saturday um, from Forestieri, lovely link-up with Gary Hooper. And they were very niggly in that game of yeah. Fulham struggled to get a foothold. Uh, and lots have been mentioned about Wednesday's tactics. There was a lot of gamesmanship and um, I think Kieran Westwood in the goal was wasting a lot of time, ended up in a yellow card. Fulham seemed to struggle with that tactic on Saturday. I thought we struggled with... Uh, Forestieri and Hooper to be honest I, the rest of them I think it was you know a bit tit for tat in the middle and I, you know there was some there was some horrible challenges being thrown around but I really thought the first time I've seen Callas struggle with a striker and I suppose that goes to show how good Gary Hooper is and you know mm. it seems a long time that Fulham were ago that Fulham were linked with Gary Hooper and, and there was a lot of should we sign him should we and he wasn't you know he wasn't brilliant to begin with for, for Wednesday but he's really starting to show that class uh, a little bit better um, a little bit more now and I think that he looks like a really, really good player again, and like glimpses of what he was like at Celtic, and he was lethal mm-hmm. north of the border. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we we rode our luck a bit at times, but it wasn't. I thought that there were niggles here and there, but I thought the ref was a bit poor on both mm-hmm. counts. I didn't think it was just towards us. There was a couple of things in the first half where Hooper nudged Callas or nudged Sigurdsson and got through, and the ref gave a couple of decisions our way that were. Yeah, very questionable yeah. and we would have been in uproar if they'd gone the other way against us yeah. well we had the penalty decision that went against us yeah, which we was an yeah, absolute stonewall it was, they were trying to stre- uh, trade shirts with each other <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy uh, I was listening to um, the match action again uh, today and Jim in the stand was apoplectic yeah. the <laughs> word is he was like okay penalty it is oh, oh the ref, not, ref's yeah. not giving it that is mental and it wasn't just bias either way there were decisions going against both teams on Saturday that were just you know I think the referee had a bit of a mare which I don't usually criticise referees being one myself in the past (laughs) (laughs) so for me to come out and say you had a bad one today is you know saying a lot yeah the consistency of the refereeing in the championship is is very hit and miss at times but like I think any team that is on the on the ascent to the top whether that be to the playoffs or to the title has to have that sort of element of the dark arts behind them like Leicester did it a lot last season they were very niggly especially in the midfield like Kante and Drinkwater and I think there's some similarities there with them and Wednesday in that they both were were, like I say like quite scrappy in the middle gave away like scrappy fouls but I think the the wider issue there is that they were so good at closing us down 
their front their front four worked as a great unit to put us under pressure at any every given opportunity. Wednesday played a really interesting uh, system, which Burnley did quite well at last year, where they mm. were pushing their strikers really high up and their attacking midfielders really high up to try and nick the ball us off high up the pitch. Yep. But the defence dropped quite deeply, which kind of drew our strikers, uh, our striker and our wingers quite far back from our defence, which means there wasn't that much of an outlet for yep. our defence to actually get through to them. If it was quite a compact or very high-pressured, a traditional sort of high-pressured system where all the defence really push up as well and try and get the ball off them there, yep. then we would probably exploit them better there because we've got the players like Piazzon and Aluko and Johansson are going to come, keep dropping deep and picking it up. Yeah. But because their defence kept on dropping all the way back, they stayed quite with their defence yeah. and therefore they were still 40, 50 yards away from him and therefore there was no yeah. uh, outlet for Callas. That's, yeah. ex- that's we- a really good point because in terms of the way that we struggled to play against them, we've been mentioning time and time again how we need to be as a team because mm. we have those players that play off intricate like mm. sort of you know, flicks and tricks and, and the way that we get through players is through those kind of intricate yeah. manoeuvres. And, and when it, as, against Brentford, they uh, they were doing that traditional high pressure because they pushed yeah. all their defence really high up, yeah. which meant Malone and Fredericks just exploited the channels so much because there was so much space for them in behind. Yeah, we, we are really good at, at playing through the press. The thing that we don't like doing is when the ball has to go further than 10, 15, 20 yards. Um, and Wednesday, straight from the off, literally from kickoff, were forcing us to go long at every opportunity. Mm. One thing their left and right backs did quite well was they forced Piazzon to sit on top, or Aluko on either side, to sit on top of their left and right back, mm. like um, respectively. And it was just literally like they were five or ten yards away from each other. But additionally to that, they were about 20 yards away from Kearney and even further away from Martin. It was just like the lines were everywhere. They'd done a really good job of just distorting the whole team mm. to the point where it was really hard for us to circulate the ball, to keep it moving, to do those intricate one-twos that we normally do. But then second half, that sort of changed and we could get our passes going a bit better, yeah. especially with Parker coming on. They, um, we, I sort of, at half-time, I was talking to my brother and about how um, do we have a plan B? Do we have a plan B? Unless it's going to be Smith. And we changed up at half-time and it went to more of a traditional 4-4-2, which I thought, OK, let's see how this goes. But we were just exploited more on the wings mob um, with, as we've <laughs> gone on about it quite a lot in the past with Kenny going on the wing. It's just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and therefore, thinking to ourselves, right, what's the plan C? And we just, I thought Slavica did an absolute masterstroke of his substitutions because we actually went back to our plan A, which didn't seem to work, but the different players that came on yeah. totally changed the complexion of the game. Well, Ayite in particular coming on for Piazon added a much more direct style to our play and he really gave their defence cautious moments. Yeah, I thought so. The other person I thought that did really well when he came on was Dennis Odoi, who I've yeah. been uh, quite critical of in the past and I thought he was really, really good and yeah, as a massive too. Fredericks fan, but... Yeah. You know, I thought Odo was excellent, and fair play to him. He's obviously been out of the team, and he's come under a bit of a bit of the cosh since since that wonderful back flick. But <laughs> he, you know, and he's he's come under a bit, and people have been like, "Well, maybe he isn't all that." Because when we were, but when he came on on, on Saturday, he was excellent. And I just thought that when the changes came, and we looked a bit dishevelled in the middle of the park when we didn't have, you know, an option, or and you know, with Kenny out on the wing when that happened, and he, he just went he went missing, and so did Piazon, and. I know, I know. Obviously, you can't take Kenny off because he was the one that delivered the ball in the end for you know for the goal. But 
at the same time, you know, I thought that that's what he was going to do at that point. I thought he was going to pull Parker on and and drop Johansson forward, who had another brilliant game. Well, um, he it was a game made for Stefan Johansson because it was niggly. Um, there was a lot. It wasn't a fluid game, but actually, he was he was everywhere. And once again, he seems to be the um, the find of the season, really. Yeah, he's doing really well. Him and Malone, eh? <laughs> but yeah, it was when it was when Parker came on and started to slow the ball down in the middle, look up and look for the pass that it really started to change and it really started to, to come good again. And yeah, yeah, I think that it was, there's something to be said there that if we're struggling to break teams down and we're struggling to find those killer passes, then maybe Parker ahead of McDonald is the answer there. I never I said, thought I'd heard Scott Parker like the impact sub. Yeah, I never yeah, thought yeah. I'd hear that. But <laughs> like as you said this weekend, it was like. Like you said, to get his foot on the ball and look for those interchanges. And as soon as he did, we looked a, a damn sight better than we did before he came on. So that's why I say Slavica was such a masterstroke because I think, you know, 75% of the fans uh, at the game would have gone, right, time to get Matt Smith on because nothing seems to be working at the moment. Mm. And, and, you know, that's where I think he's really earned his money there, going, yeah. right, we need to change it up but you know, let's not go crazy here. We just need a different type of player on the pitch. Yeah. There was a patience to the play as well. We didn't deviate from our initial strategy really in the game. Obviously, I know Slavisa changed the tactics slightly, but it was patient. There was no, right, 75 minutes, there's 15 minutes left and we're 1-0 down, so let's just go route one straight to Chris Martin. We still tried to play our football and in the end, even in the 90th minute, where you'd think it would get yep. just desperation and that was really nice to see and lovely that it paid off. I think like 15 minutes in football is a long time, like regardless of, of, of how short it's, you actually think it is, but... Like the the fact that he made some substitutions that were so offensive, like offensively minded, as in taking a risk, is like not offending people. Yeah, <laughs> as in like actually going after a result, wanting to get that result is something that we haven't really seen before. And throwing Aite on could have gone one of two ways: either he's gonna get exploited at every opportunity by their fullback, or he's gonna push them so far back that we look much better in possession. And thankfully, it was the latter, and it was such a bold move. I agree. It was fantastic subs I looked at the bench before the game and was in uproar because we had three defenders on the bench and Parker and a keeper obviously which meant that the only two offensive offensive players on the bit on the bench were Aite and and Smith and I really did sort of when we were 1-0 down with, with 20 minutes to go I was going well what are we getting? obviously he's gonna bring Aite on but you know we all know that that doesn't necessarily mean that something's gonna change I was like this is where you look for you know another player that might be able to you know, break in or are looking for a replacement for Kenny even. And obviously, you know, that wasn't the answer in the end. But it was one of those things where I was looking for an outlet and I didn't think he was going to bring Smith on because he hasn't recently. And I didn't think that that was going to be the way he went. And so it was one of those where I was like, well, what, what's he going to do? And I, But I do think that maybe putting Reem and Sessegnon on the bench is a bit of a bizarre call. Yeah, I don't know of anyone else. Mm. Yeah, I think you could play us in your wing if you were very, very desperate. Mm. Same as you could play Frederick's wing. Yeah, of course, but like that's not an offensive manoeuvre. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, if you put Ryan Sessner on the wing, you're not going to be pushing for an extra goal. It's going to be you've got two left backs on. Like, yeah. It's, so I was, you know, I was, I was saying why I don't know why you'd have both. Really well, they were interesting substitutes anyway for an, an attacking team. I know maybe I was trained in the classic football manager school of tactics, but um, if you're losing a game 1-0, you throw on three strikers and you yeah. go four up front. If you think <laughs> about it... Half time. Yeah. <laughs> After 10 um, minutes, yeah. 
he the changes he made okay yeah a Yite for Piazzom that was a direct change but then a Doi for Fredericks and Parker for McDonald don't seem like the most attacking substitutions you've ever made but actually they were very effective and we and I think his substitutions were what um got us the point and what very nearly got us three we had chances in stoppage time after Malone's goal to go on and nick it which would have been incredible those kind of subs remind me of another uh, manager that you might have heard of, Roy Hodgson. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Farrell Monk for a second. <laughs> you, might, you might have heard of him. Um, he, whenever, well, when in the summer at uh, the World Cup, Roy Hodgson made some very uncharacteristic substitutions whereby um, he was throwing on strikers left, right and centre. When we're used to seeing him not even making a sub, even if we're losing until like 10, 15 minutes ago. He's just like, I'm not going to change it up. I have faith in the players. I'll only really make a sub if I really need to or I really need to change it up. But it won't be your, you know, throwing on massive amounts of players. Um, from from the time I remember him at Fulham, it was a case of, right, we might be drawing the game, might be losing, might be winning, but it's just not going to be the substitutions that everyone's going to be calling for. Because, mm. you know, it's... I don't, I don't know what how he does it, but... That's just what I remember from him. So it's kind of similar to how Slavica did it on Saturday. Yeah, losing 1-0 at home with 10 minutes to go and the substitution he makes is Stephen Kelly on for John Pansel at right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? Stop it. And we score two. Yeah. 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 It's genius. It's genius, yeah, well Stephen Kelly. Boy. Well done, mate. Um, speaking of little moments of genius, uh, Sheffield Wednesday's first goal uh, was a lovely move. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken already about Hooper and Forestieri. Uh, actually, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter... That um, or, or even on the match action yourselves when watching the replay, that Forestieri was actually offside mm. uh, in the build-up. But quite a few um, moments, but it was quite a long time before yeah. it actually went in the net, but still an offside's an offside. Um, but that was one of those goals, and uh, we met at half-time. Uh, we bumped yeah. into each other, and you even said... Um, I nearly stood up and applauded. Yeah, it was an unbelievably well worked goal. <laughs> yeah. How good One of was those. that dummy? Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Completely Incredible. Well, you mentioned the, um, the... The Ross Wallace. The Ross Wallace got. I think the one... I think I can't remember if it was the FA Cup game or the um, away leg league game, but Barry Bannon scored an absolute worldie against yeah. us as well. So, I mean, Wednesday... Something just, about Sheffield Wednesday uh, saving worldies. their best uh, for facing Fulham. I just got me thinking about goals that I've, I've seen at the Cottage that I've just, you've just gone, well done. Very, very well done. The one that instantly strikes in my mind is um, David Luiz's goal for Chelsea. Just 40 yards, nothing on, and they just said shoot and straight in the top corner. That always stands out to me as one of the best efforts I can remember in recent memory. I mean, there have been lots of great goals against us. There's been lots of goals against us uh, in the last few years. Some of them had to be good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mladen Petric yeah, springs to mind oh, uh, yes. that free kick and I, obviously at the time it was it was far too painful to, to you acknowledge it as a wonderful free kick but in hindsight a, a glorious glorious goal when I've watched the highlights back which I have done hundreds and hundreds of times um, the commentator is so harsh on sports. I know. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, we should probably should have got there." And I was like, "What? Are you watching a different goal? That was that flew like a rocket and Post swerved stamp. about seventeen yeah, yeah. times yeah. as well. Like, is it left? Is it right? Is it left? Like, it was an unbelievable goal. All at the Hammersmith end. I've got two not at the Hammersmith end. Oh, okay. In the yeah. same game, we lost five nil to United in about twenty eleven, mm. and. It was 3-0 at half time, and in the second half, Rooney literally picked the ball up about 30 yards out, drove forward yep. and just pinged one into the top corner. 
And then about five minutes later, Berbatov scored an unbelievable yeah. back heel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Was that an FA Cup game? United as well. I don't know. I think it was a Premiership game. I think it was a league game, yeah. It was, yeah. I've got one from United from uh, 2007. Cristiano Ronaldo picked oh. it up on the left-hand side around about the halfway line and just literally just drove past about four or five defenders and then tucked it low into the opposite corner. And that secured... United the title that year and they were 1-0 down at that no, yeah 1-0 down at that point I think it was like 88 minutes 88 minutes yeah I don't think it 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 wasn't mathematically but it was the moment really where yeah they clinched the title oh was it actually mathematical they did it that Uh, day maybe I think it was but I think it was because someone else lost yeah Yeah. oh okay yeah he ran over to the bench and there was all manner of players you know Quinton Fortune amazing player (laughs) Jemba Jemba yeah was that in the Coleman years 07 that was yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the end of the Coleman years yeah. so uh, coming up on Saturday really tough game uh, away to Brighton uh, would you say this is our toughest of the season obviously we faced Newcastle at home but I believe that was a completely different Newcastle uh, to the one that is tearing up the division now um, obviously last year uh, painful memories of the 5-0 defeat we'll be hoping and it might be a little bit more like the season before where Lasse Vegan Christensen uh, picked us up three points down mm. in the Amex mm. I would say it's going to be probably our toughest because we've obviously played some really good teams already this year in the championship but this is probably the first one where they're on hot form because we've obviously played Norwich and they've been sort of up and down mm. uh, they've won few they lost I think they lost before they played us or at least drew um, and obviously we played Newcastle but they hadn't played yet this year but Brighton apart from I think they drew against Villa in their last mm. game they've absolutely smashed some teams they beat Norwich 5-0 for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, as a unit, I don't think it's, other than Newcastle, it's very hard to mm. put a, another team on, on par with them. Um, and the fact they've got like players like Knockout that at the moment I don't think is playing because he's a member of his family passed away, but they're not missing him in any way and he's just a fantastic player. I think he's going to be back this weekend. Yeah. yeah. As a, as a part of our will. luck. But Did no. you see Sidwell's goal? Uh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I, I felt nothing but pride. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, that was that was, was if he came through your youth system. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like he's one of our own. Yeah. <laughs> Dale as well. It's a visit for the old boys. Adley and Rossinia. He's still there. I'm I believe not sure so. If he's playing. Oh, I thought he he's certainly there. Whether he's in the first team or not, I, I couldn't tell you. It seems like an interesting one for Brighton because they've been there or thereabouts um, for a while now. They are a very big club actually with massive potential. And you yeah. think down how many like untapped? Because I'm from that area and I, and I know so many Brighton supporters and they're really the only club in both West or East Sussex yeah. which is a huge apart from Crawley Town um, <laughs> considering where the stadium is is it even in Sussex? No, so no it's, so it's, I mean, like, it's pretty much Kent by the time um, you've <laughs> actually got out of Brighton um, so it's certainly going to be a tough match but what I was thinking is you know, it feels a bit like now or never for Brighton actually yep. because surely now some big teams and some big fish are going to be thinking they've got a good team down there and they're just going to get stripped of players and they might be able to do a Southampton and bring more through I know they've got a very good youth system yeah, down they, there they bought someone called uh, Jack Harper from Real Madrid over the summer who was meant to be the next big thing he's mm. a Scottish fellow yeah Scottish fellow yeah. he, was, he was playing for Real Madrid Castilla as their captain a couple of years ago and was meant to be very very good and has since been injured so he's coming through I don't know about the rest there I don't know. I think it's a big. It's a. It's it's the first test I think we'll have where we. It's one of those where we go. Can we mix it now with the big boys in this league? Have we mm. got to that that point where we can look to play Brian at their own game? Look to play our possession game. Is it going to work against 
you know, it might not work against, you know, your Burton Albions who might score a lucky goal and then put 11 men behind the ball. But realistically, you know, those games come and go. Whereas if we go to Brighton and get result, I think there's there will be a genuine turning point in terms of being like, okay, maybe we can, you know, produce a playoff this season. I think that would be, that's what would come of it. Yeah. I don't think it would necessarily write that off if we, you know, we go there and lose. But I think it would put a spanner in the works. I think the game a, will be much more open than we think it's going to be as well. Yeah, I these, agree. These two teams are going to want to play football, like you say. Yeah. Be like Burton Albion. And if you're heading down to Brighton, uh, it's going to be one of the most expensive uh, away trips of the season. Quite interesting with the price of football, uh, the fact that I think seven championship clubs uh, charge more than the Premier League uh, to go see an away game. The most expensive. Uh, do you know who that is? In the championship. championship. Yeah. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday must be. Forty-two pounds. It's a joke. Uh, the max. Actually, a joke. They, the reason why they do that is is because what they charge the home fans for in in the cup. Mm. That is criminal. Charging your own fans forty-two pounds to go to home versus Fulham, yeah, or home versus Burton Albion. To be fair, um, West Ham United char- are charging sixty-five pounds for a under 18s ticket for West Ham versus Arsenal. Um, wow. But the limit on away fans is thirty pounds in the Prem. You can't pay. You can't charge anyone more than thirty pounds. That new thing for this year, isn't it? Uh, it's yes. two years old now. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. It's very interesting now that the, because it's not a cap in the championship, and and there's no yeah. way without this cap that the Premier League tickets would be That's so cheap. cheap. But it's interesting now that it's more expensive to go away and watch championship football than it would be to go watch Premier League football, which seems typical uh, as soon as we get relegated. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the championship can, as a league, can actually be regulated like the Premier League can. Because the Premier League is a sponsors, separate body with mm. its own sponsors, whereas the Championship, I believe, can't like call me out if I'm wrong, is still an FA-run league. It well, is, yeah. There is. The only other thing is that there's, I think there's five or six clubs in the Championship signed up to Twenties Plenty, yeah, which is the twenty. It's basically a twenty quid cap yep. for away, um, and so you know I don't know if that can be enforced or if that's just down to clubs deciding it's, that they have to clubs, call yeah. it, but. You know, these, surely these that's such a that's such a like a sensible initiative. Mm. Like all the all the major leagues are sort of governed by themselves. Yeah. So the people that run the leagues are the ones that are in them. So if all the teams say we want all all away tickets at, capped at thirty pounds, that goes. There's no sort of yeah. there's no Richard Scudamore type person making She's that decision. Yeah. Um, mm. It's the leagues that decide. Yeah. So. I I would think it's the same as the championship as well and the same but I think it's the whole of the football league. Yeah. Yeah. So the foot the football league itself is all 92 clubs yep. so the championship is run by 92 separate teams. So if you know even if all of the teams in league 2 say yes we 20s plenty or 30s plenty um then it's got to, it has to be well I don't know if it's a majority or it's got to be over 60 or 70. Yeah. Mm. So like Barnet for example I know because my dad supports them is probably you're looking at 20, 25 quid for an away ticket there. And that's wow. to watch League Two standard football. Might not even get a seat. Yeah, and you're probably not going to get a seat. You're probably not going to be dry if it rains. Mm. But then you get like the likes of the Amex Stadium, which is massive. You're going to have a seat. Like 20, 25 is plenty there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it is the best league in the world, but, you know, yeah, 90 minutes football at the end of the day. It's not... Well, uh, Fulham uh, come out okay in the away fans' tickets. Uh, it's £25 uh, maximum if you buy in advance uh, for a ticket or £20 uh, for the lower grades of clubs. However, 
we have the most expensive cup of tea in the country. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I was the mug that bought one for my girlfriend at the weekend. I was surprised. And the second most expensive pie. Behind who? At West Ham. It's 10p more to get a pie. How much is a pie? Uh, it's four quid. I bought a pie on Saturday, actually. Yeah, uh, that was, was. Yeah, it's four quid. Uh, it's a lovely pie. Interesting today, talking of pies. Craven Cottage pie? Uh, no, it was a steak and ale pie, which you can't get into puns with Craven Cottage. There is a cottage pie that you can buy as well. Yeah, I think, I think there yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> I didn't just make that up. No, 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 I thought you'd just come up with an unbelievable business proposition. <laughs> <laughs> you sell that one to the club. Surely someone thought of that yeah, years exactly. ago. Interesting story today in the Daily Telegraph. Fulham linked with uh, Huddersfield striker Naki Wells after he rejected a new contract there. He was one of the players uh, in the summer when it was inevitable that Ross McCormack was going. Um, he would be. Uh, he was my first choice, really, as someone to replace him. Uh, a fast, pacey striker. But, I mean, I've ended up really liking Chris Martin. I'm not sure um, Naki Wells is the striker we need to fit with our system, but he certainly knows where the net is, and he's got uh, big aspirations of playing in the Premier League. So he'd be a great asset to us if he did come it'd be I'd be really pleased if they could work them two in together that'd be that'd be a, a hell of a strike force um with a lot of goals between them in in the championship i mean i don't know how much martin has played with a second striker alongside him but you'd imagine that you know the big man who wins headers and and, and the short man who runs in and scores goals would work together aka kevin phillips and niall quinn <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is interesting because oh, we've said it before. If Chris Martin does get injured, there isn't really a plan B other than the Matt Smith. And actually, in depth in the striking department, you've got um, Corley. Well, you, you're going to get you're going to get slated by loads of Fulham fans who love Corley Woodrow now. Really. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always been um, a big fan of Corley. I've always wanted to do it, but this season, especially when he's had his opportunities, you do just wonder. If he is going to make it, someone else needs to go out on loan. Yeah, and if you're interested in this, there's a wonderful article on Fulhamish called "We Need to Talk About Corley," Uh, and soon to be an article. And as another potential option for striking uh, is Stephen Humphreys banging in the goals uh, for the under twenty ones at the moment. He's red hot form. Yeah, he's got eight in ten in the PL two, which is which is some record. Um, Yeah, he he got a hat trick against Borough this week. And that, yeah, brought him up to 8 in 10. And he really looks like he could be something special. But, I mean, how many times have we said that about someone, I suppose? But, you know, we've brought players through recently and they've, you know, come good. You know, Moussa Dembele has more goals than Messi and Ronaldo this season. So that's a, <laughs> that's a stat to remember as a Fulham fan. But, yeah, no, Humphreys, he does look good. And, he, you know, it was good for him to get away with the boys in, in, in the summer to go on to go on the pre-season tour. And he, he seemed to do well and he seemed to get on, get on with them, which yeah. is obviously nice to see as well. Um, so yeah, article on Stevie Humphreys coming in soon, hot on Fulhamish.co.uk. When I covered um, a Fulham under-21s versus West Ham under-21s last year for the club, um, Humphreys by far and away looks the most complete player in that squad, like head and shoulders above anyone else. Um, and it's quite, I think for me it's quite clear, as it is for you Jack, that he probably is going to make it sooner rather than later. I think he can. Probably cut it at League 2, League 1 level already. Yeah, 100%. Might be nice to get him out on loan this second half of the season. Let him him have a crack. But um, the only other thing is his contract runs out in June and we haven't tied him down to a new deal. And how old is he? He's 19. Oh, so we haven't got a Moose Dembele situation on our hands or we can't get him to sign the contract. No, he can sign a contract. It's just, um, yeah, it's bizarre. I find it bizarre that he's doing so well and he's been obviously, you know, 
part of the club's plans, especially if he's going away with them in pre-season and stuff and he hasn't been locked down to a longer contract. So hopefully we'll rectify that shortly. You'd, you'd imagine the club would be looking into that already. Because there was a lot of frustrating comments, actually, I saw. I don't know which message board it was. It, it, about Moussa Dembele, and obviously he's getting profile now because he is the top top scorer in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's definitely above Messi and, and Ronaldo. I mean, then think how many Messi and Ronaldo would get if they were playing Kilmarnock uh, every week. He's still behind Tammy Abraham, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but a lot of people saying, oh, why don't we get him down to a contract? This yeah. seems crazy. He went for free. We couldn't have done anything with Moussa Dembele. There was nothing that, that could be done. Also, him thing... staying in Britain was, was excellent for us because we got some money. Yeah. yeah. If he'd gone to Dortmund like he was meant to, he, we wouldn't have got anything. And also yeah. they would have had two players called Dembele, so that would have been annoying. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the reason why they went. Nah. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> <laughs> imagine if he went to Spurs. Jesus, no, too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's Moussa Dembele to Moussa Dembele, back to Moussa Dembele, goal. We were Dembele. discussing this at some point over the summer that if he had signed for Spurs, would they have? how would they have done it on like radio so like Moussa with one S like French yeah. Moussa Dembele and Belgian Moussa Dembele, like bizarre yeah. how would commentators have to, deal with that just have to give them nicknames Lil Moussa and Big Moussa yeah. <laughs> yeah. Young Moussa and Old Moussa Lil, Lil Moose <laughs> Well speaking of strikers uh, we've got some very important business because we've got to finish off our forgotten Fulham uh, 11 This is something that we started we didn't get time to do it on uh, the podcast before last where we had plenty to discuss after the uh, triumphant Brentford game and all the Facebook live uh, shenanigans that's still on the Facebook page if you fancy watching that go to facebook.com slash Fulhamish pod So forgotten Fulham was an idea born out of the pub by Farrell uh, where we basically are looking for an 11 of players that have played for Fulham at least once but you've completely forgotten about we've got three places left in the forgotten Fulham 11 our forgotten Fulham 11 which uh, we'll explain later you will have your chances uh, to create a forgotten Fulham 11 so at the moment it is uh, thus let's uh, remind everyone in goal Martin Herrera uh, a back four of Nathan Ashton uh, Dean Leacock and Gabriel Zakawani in centre back and then Elliot Omazusi uh, right back uh, midfield trio of Leon Andreessen in the holding role uh, I must point out the holding role um, <laughs> Robert Milsom and Bobby Petter who uh, in, in midfield and then we've got three up front we've gone for a 4-3-3 uh, more for logistical reasons than uh, being our tactical preference oh, and on the bench Pascal Zubabula Paul Stalteri Nicky Shorey Darren Prattley and Alexi Smertens there are three striking spots left in the starting 11 and then two striking spots left uh, in uh, on the bench it's got plenty to get through uh, Jack let's start with you a couple of nominations for Forgotten Fulham Strikers please um, I'm going to lead with Laurie Dallavalle, who came to us as part of the swap deal for Paul Koncheski, I believe, from Liverpool. <laughs> and on Football Manager 2009, Laurie Dallavalle became one of the like three best players in the world. He was also, I believe, some sort of world freestyling champion at football. So, um, so Laurie Dallavalle gets. I think I think he made a League Cup appearance once. And and do we know what Dallavalle has gone on to do since? No, but I haven't heard of him. Okay. We also then signed a player called Della Verde. Yeah, which was uh, really, really <laughs> confusing. Like, yeah, that was a that was a new one. We so, loved yeah, we, we love having two players. LDVs, uh, similar names. LDVs to go with LVC. Uh, and Ben, uh, a nomination uh, from yourself for forgotten Fulham strikers. Uh, I'm going to go for Stefano Akaka. Um, okay, oh, we, brilliant. Who we had on loan from from Roma for a while, um, only for about ten games or so. My fondest memory of him is him scoring. The, possibly one of the scrappiest goals I've ever seen against Wigan. Yes, uh, I remember. It was a game that me and my dad attended when they had £10 tickets, uh, which is pretty <laughs> good. 
Last year went to Anderlecht, absolutely smashed it, scored 20-ish goals in the league for, league and cup for them last year and is now at Watford. Okay. Farrell? Tough one to choose from. I've got quite a few. But uh, my first one, I'll go for a more recent one and then I'll go for an older one next. Next one. Uh, I'll go for Gail Kakuta. Not strictly a striker, mm. but... Controversial. One, one is, well, controversial for many reasons. Uh, he's famous for the uh he got Chelsea almost banned yes the transfer ban he was he was the one uh at the center of the um tapping up scandal mm. which Chelsea managed to get away with i'm not entirely sure how i'm sure roman had something to do with it he was a um good player yeah he, he was, was for us brilliant he was when he came down to fulham yeah, yeah really he, really good he didn't really get he didn't really break it into the first team i know he started at least one game which we won against Sunderland 3-0. I think he scored a uh, a good goal, actually. It was a good little move, and then he just slotted it home with his left foot. Um, <laughs> in the lead-up to that game, I was I was slating Mark Hughes. I thought it was just going to go absolutely terribly. <laughs> and then I was checking the scores. And I was like, oh, I'm winning 3-0. I love Mark Hughes. He terrorised some defence. I remember him coming off the bench a couple of times and terrorising yeah. defences. He had such quick feet. Yeah, really, really good player. Really, what's I, happened to him? I think he, he ended I, up at Sevilla last year, actually. Yeah. Um, but he didn't make a huge impact, and I can't remember for the life of me where he is now. He's still in Spain, but I can't remember who for. Fair enough. Yeah. Also, a couple of the players that we've picked are actually making waves uh, in, in the footballing world. They haven't just gone off off the radar, a bit like maybe Laura Della Valle has. Uh, one player that definitely, I think, uh, went off the radar slightly, um, uh, Rillers suggested this on Twitter, is uh, Sol Ki Hyun. Yeah. Oh, we spoke about him last, po- uh, last Forgotten Fulham as a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's a great shout. Um, He played for us in 2007. I believe, is he the only South Korean uh, to play for Fulham? I believe so. He was another bearer of that famous cursed seven shirt that we own. Mm. Yeah. Uh, He played a bit under Laurie Sanchez and then went on to be the first South Korean player to ever score a Champions League goal, uh, which was for RSC Andelect. Yep. A bit like yeah. Stefano Akaka. So uh, that's my suggestion. Let's go around the table again. Uh, back to Jack. Uh, Jack, how many uh, players have you actually written down on your notepad full of notes? 18. 18? Someone's yeah. been using Wikipedia. Has it been I, a slow day at work? Yeah, I just I just like the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like knowing things. I look these things up. Um, all of the people mentioned are on my list, so it's, it's going well so far. If you've got any freelance jobs for Jack, it sounds like he has got a little bit of uh, time on the side. Maybe He may come up with slightly less forgotten Fulham strikers, though, so I'm not sure I, I want that to happen. There's a couple. I, the one I was going to go for is Luke Cornwall, but I don't actually think he played. I no, don't think he, he didn't. Has, I looked this up earlier. I don't think he got cap. And... <laughs> I'm not 100% sure Adam Taggart did either. Oh, that's interesting. No, I think you could probably put him forward. Do I, do. I was so excited for Adam Taggart to come through the the Fulham system. I was absolutely over the moon when we signed him. I was really, really pleased. Really? I'd spent ages. I'd, I'd spent ages looking him up. I thought, we, I really like Australian players. I think they work hard and they like... And he had and some unbelievable, unbelievable goals on his highlight reels. Infamous highlight reels. He was—he looked—he he looked like the real deal, and I was very excited about it. He's like football manager highlight. And reels. I posted no, they're on YouTube, mate. <laughs> and I um, I posted an article about two years ago on on Viva Fulham about why 
uh, why Dem- Dembele's injury could have been Adam Taggart's golden chance to shine and he never got that golden <laughs> chance because unfortunately two days after I wrote the article we sold him. So, <laughs> um, Someone at the club read your article and like... Let's make some money. We, we should get rid of that geezer because that Jack Collins bloke thinks that it thinks that he should. <laughs> so, um, kiss yeah. of death from Jack Collins. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to break your heart, but I, I think we're going to have to stick to the rules. Yeah, and it's going to have to be someone that's played. In which case, I'm going to go for Moama Tankovic, who um, <laughs> oh, yeah. once famously played in the false nine against Manchester United. It worked. It worked. It did work. Yeah, so that was a, a bizarre moment of everyone involved. He set up a golden chance for Kieran Richardson, who blasted it over the bar from five yeah. yards. Uh, when we should have, it would have been 2 0 to Fulham that day. I was very disappointed because he obviously came on leaps and bounds, one of the few people to come out of that season um, with some credit. And I really thought this is a player that could do great things in the championship with us, but he had far higher aspirations. He didn't seem to have any desire uh, to be playing in the second tier. Mm. He had quite a tricky agent, if I remember. He was mm. turning him around quite early on in that season, and then mm. he ended up going to FC20. There was loads of reports about him wanting to leave even before he'd even started mm. a game. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good start, isn't it? <laughs> this is a player, he's making his debut, he doesn't really want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben, uh, your last nomination for um, Forgotten Fulham Striker. I think, uh, for my list, I'm going to go for David Elm. Oh, the classic. Arrived, who arrived from Scandinavia. Um, again during the Roy years, years I believe um, another one of our Scandinavian imports uh, only scored one goal for us in 10 appearances against Burnley in a 3-0 home win and then had a massive double page spread dedicated to him in the sun afterwards I can't figure out why I uh, thought he was, was amazing was it on page 3? <laughs> I wish he was no, I thought he was amazing but then ended up being wasn't he the rubbish one of three brothers and also yeah. didn't we sign him at like 26 when he had the record of something like a goal every five games or a goal every six games in, in Norway. Like yeah, his brother yeah. Rasmus has played for Sweden mm. a lot. There's two. There's another one who's also apparently okay. Yeah. Um, can't remember his can't name. I can't remember his name. The famous... He's also, no, but he's also got caps for Sweden and David was the only one that doesn't have any... He has. It's, it's his, classic. Brother, his it's... brother played for CSK in Moscow. Is this like the Nevilles? Because there is a third Neville brother, isn't it? I mean, they cricket. And the sister played netball. Yeah. Quite good at sport, the Nevilles, aren't they? I know, but... Properly overshadowed by brothers, Gary and Phil. My brother's called Victor Elm, who plays for AZ Alkmaar. Okay. There you go. Uh, well, David that, Elm, I remember being there for that Burnley goal. I thought that was the start of great things to come. It's but, classic Hodgson to have some average player coming to play for us and all of a sudden yeah, they actually turn good. One goal every, what did you say, five games or five yeah, years? Something awful. <laughs> uh, Farrell, uh, a final nomination from yourself, please. I'll go for an older one. Uh, I'll go with Tony Thorpe who uh, in when we were working our way up through the leagues and we were in Division 2 at the time and we were absolutely smashing it that one season, 98-99. Um, it was a case of... I mean, he was playing for Luton at the time and he scored a couple of goals for us uh, against us uh, in the first half of the season and it was a case of, well, if you can't beat them, buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought him for uh, quite a lot of money he played a lot of subs appearances, but scored a couple of goals, and then we just shipped him off when we got promoted. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of great mentions uh, on Twitter. Um, Stan Collymore yeah. is oh, one. Yeah. Three appearances uh, for Fulham. Callum Willock, Shefki Coochie, 
Chef Kikuchi, uh, I think, scored one goal. Sanchez's panic buy when McBride got injured. I mean, the panic buy of all panic buys. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's just get Chef Kikuchi in. Everything is so... square. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was so <laughs> wide. Every, I tell you what, the fans got really behind him. We, we were so... Yes. Yeah, we loved we really him. wanted to him get a goal. He never got a goal, though. No, he, he did. did. He scored. He scored against he scored? Reading. Yeah. Did he? It was a uh, last minute. Oh, I think it was to get us to 3-1. It was literally I, on the line I from what I remember. I thought Dempsey scored that one. I thought he headed it down for Dempsey. I seem to oh, remember Chef Kiku. I saw him, him scoring. I flop celebration in our shirt. Really? Yeah, I do remember that. I think it pretty much was Dempsey that did all the work. Mm. A bit like uh, David Nugent uh, scoring right. his goal for England, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was definitely not David Nugent's goal in, in reality. But the player I'm going to go for uh, is Eddie Johnson. Yeah, yeah, big shot. Surely yeah. one of the worst players I've ever seen in a Fulham shirt, but, but came with a high reputation. Absolutely smashes it. He's got a couple of caps for the American national yeah. team. Yeah. He had no caps for the national team when he, he came got over. Of goals for the international team, actually. Not even just yeah. caps. Like... He scored like 20, 25 about three or four seasons ago for Seattle. Actually smashed yeah. it. He also didn't get much of a run. I do, I, I do remember that. He didn't get many appearances. He started against United, and the thing that struck out for me was he had a chest like a brick wall. Uh, he, they were throwing it down the line for him and he tried to chest in it, went further back than where the throwing was taken from. <laughs> we've forgotten two key people, I feel. I forgot. I feel like we've forgotten Yari Lippmann in. Again, Ooh, never played. Never played. Didn't he? No. Are we sure? Yeah. I don't it, was think the ever, ear, it was I, the ear injury. He had a 10... He had, he had, <laughs> yeah. he had the 10 shirt. I remember that. Yeah. I, remember I, I very don't think about he it. was ever even named on the subs bench. No, he never got close. And someone who definitely has played because his one assist was against Chelsea in the League Cup. Yes. Elvis Hammond. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I went to a um, away FA Cup game in the third round or fourth round. And this was when Elvis Hammond was playing for Leicester. And at halftime, they had an Elvis impersonators competition. <laughs> Halftime shows, eh? Especially because of Elvis Hammond. Yeah. Wow. Well, I bet he's never heard that one before. No, no. Uh, tough gig being uh, a footballer with the name Elvis. Okay. Well, I've put in Elvis Hammond as a wild card entry yeah. for the shortlist. So, uh, to recap: Laurie Dalavelle, Stefano Karkagel, Kakuta, Solky Hyun, Muhammad Tankovic, David Elm, Tony Thorpe, Eddie Johnson, and Elvis Hammond. So we've got three starting berths and two on the bench uh, to finish us off. So does anyone want to put a really strong case for someone that has to be in there? I think Eddie Johnson should be in there. I think that's one, a classic. I'd go Hammond as well. See, I also think Elvis Hammond yeah, think properly Elvis deserves. Hammond. Although, a bit like um, <laughs> Jerome Bonacell, so forgotten that I feel like he's unforgotten because people instantly always think of Elvis Hammond, but I would agree I think, with you. I think that about Eddie Johnson one they do about I, Elvis Hammond. Do I would, you? I would yeah, with, I agree. I would go with Hammond, yeah. Yeah. So we're going with Elvis Hammond, definitely. Is that also a nomination for Eddie Johnson? Maybe maybe stick him on the bench. Okay. I'll go, yeah, Johnson bench. bench. Eddie Johnson bench. Uh, I would love to see... um, I'd love to see Stefano Okaka either on the bench or in the starting lineup. I'd love him in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, I think he's a strong. I think he's a strong player in the yeah. starting lineup. My bag is a few goals. If we have to play, we have to pay this side. Yeah. I imagine this a bit like supporters clubs. Uh, you know how maybe yeah. the Fulham supporters team maybe go away, goes away to West Ham supporters team. I'd like to see a bit, or like Legends football. Mm. 
the Forgotten Fulham eleven going up to Sunderland or something. Maybe we could do a... Fulhamish versus the Forgotten. <laughs> we could we could create a side and play the Forgotten Fulham eleven for like <laughs> I don't know charity next summer or something. I mean, uh, that would <laughs> big be... dreams. Big dreams. If you can get hold of Alexi Smurted. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's true. I went to go and watch um, the London Masters uh, one at, at Wembley Arena, and disappointingly, the West Ham had a late dropout, so Ian Pearce went from our team to West Ham's team instead. <laughs> Shocker. And Ian Pearce was still playing um, sort of like Conference South or something like that at the time. And he was he was amazing. He was like messy <laughs> that day. He was banging him in for fun. I was like, he should have been playing for Fulham. This is disgraceful. I'm outraged. I remember Ian Pearce as the, the one thing I remember about him is in that season where he played for us, he used to play at centre-back and when things were going badly with 10 minutes yeah. to go, he'd go up front and he yeah, was the only man in the world with... On Football Manager, his thing was CB slash CF. <laughs> that was his position. He, um, I remember he got injured one game and we'd already made all our subs, so they went, like, just, just go up front. And he's like limping around and he actually scored the equaliser. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what a man. Uh, Portsmouth at Ian Pearce. Uh, so back to the Stein Lama. I think David Elm yeah, has yeah. got to be a contender. Good goal against Burnley. Good goal against Burnley. Are we up for him in the starting lineup? Yeah, I think so. As for Scandinavian imports. It does. That's true, yeah. Always good to have a solid Scandinavian in your lineup. Um, and then I think we should put your man Tony Thorpe on the bench. Yeah. yeah. All right then. And what? Cl- I don't know him, but that's a classic Fulham story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just buy someone that we're just good against us he was and like, top, hope for the best. He was a top goal scorer in the what was then Division Two, and then we just bought him and didn't really play him that much, <laughs> just because we could. <laughs> just what a life. One of one of those signings that you just buy. A bit like um, who am I thinking of? Willian. But when, uh, when Spurs were about to buy him, I still think Chelsea just bought him because they could. And when they bought Mohamed Salah because he'd scored like three hat-tricks against them for Basel. Yes. And yeah. they just shipped him out to Fiorentina straight sure away. this is what we did with Mladen Petric as well. We were just like, oh yeah, yeah. he banged in a few against yeah. us. He like, scored that amazing free kick. Let's just buy him. We have free kick takers. <laughs> Let's buy Petric. So, right, uh, that is our Forgotten Fulham lineup finished. Uh, Elvis Hammond, David Elm uh, and Stefano Okaka substitute places for Eddie Johnson. And also for Tony Thorpe. I feel like Solky Hyun and uh, Gail Kakuta and Laurie Delavelle will all be very uh, disappointed they haven't that made they, the they haven't Especially made the cut. Solky Hyun, who's missed out twice now. Yeah. Yes. Oh, completely soul. overlooked. So that is it then. Uh, our lineup is Herrera, Ashton, Leacock, Zakawani, Omazusi, Petter, Milsom, and Andreasen in the midfield. And then Elvis Hammond, David Elm, and Stefano Akaka up front. Uh, the substitutes Pascal Zubabula, Paul Stout Terry, Nicky Shorey, Darren Prattley, Alexi Smertin, Eddie Johnson, and Tony Thorpe. So there is 18 players there, Jack, for you to contact uh, for next year's uh, Forgotten Fulham Invitational. Uh, I'm very excited about Farrell managing the Fulhamish side. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be playing. Yeah, player manager. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Wise in his pomp. <laughs> now. We've been picking our Forgotten Fulham 11 and uh, thank you so much for all your suggestions. It's one of those tweets that everyone seems to love getting involved with uh, and trying to come up with an obscure name. And quite frankly, we haven't even got close to mentioning all of the names that have been mentioned on Twitter. So what you can do is actually we want to see if your Forgotten Fulham thoughts are the same as ours. So if you head to fulhamish.co.uk right now, uh, you'll be able to vote uh, for who you should think should be in the Forgotten Fulham 11. And then on next week's podcast, we're going to reveal the results 
of that and see how your Forgotten Fulham 11 correlates with our Forgotten Fulham 11. I'm imagining it's going to be wildly, wildly different uh, if I could make a prediction. Uh, so get online now, fulhamish.co.uk and select your Forgotten Fulham 11. It'll take you two seconds. It's uh, really simple and easy and it should be one of the first articles uh, they see when you get there. We so have a nice snazzy website now. It uh, is yeah. very snazzy, so we want you to visit it and uh, enjoy it and... Read some articles. Yeah, and if you are a budding writer, uh, you can always get in get contact. In Jack Jack is the editor. We get in touch. We love writers. We want people to contribute. It's going to be fun. Exactly. We'll have a great time. And also saves Jack having to do all the writing himself. True. So, chaps, thank you very much uh, for this week's podcast. It's been a good one as ever. You're Thanks very welcome. Very we'll be back next Monday. Uh, after the Brighton game it's going to be a tough one down at the Amex uh, to all of you that are going uh, have a great trip it's always a good away day thank you for listening and we'll be back next week see you guys later take it easy for that. see ya